says, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. You may be seated. I was uh, going to put together three sermons. Okay, this is supposed to be a bits and pieces. I failed. I had planned a segment on the reality of giants and some of the implications of that and the existence of these huge people, or at least at one time existence. I'd also planned a section on elders being asked to pray for a person's healing and how the Apostle James tied such a request to the forgiveness of sins. It's important as to how we understand God's role for elders in Christ's church, and I think this is of timeliness to us right now. However, I got so caught up in my third section here um, that those two are going to have to be for next time. Today's sermon is about God's command to fill the earth. It's a message to encourage you, if possible, to have a large family. Now, we believe God gives us our purpose. He tells us what he wants. The biblical writers call them commands, decrees, statutes, the will of God. For certain, every person on earth would be content if he or she just did the things God told them in the Bible. That's it. Be and do what God told me to be and do. That's the way to be fulfilled. A few examples. God tells us to take dominion over his creation. We are to rule responsibly over things. Fish, birds, mountains, carrots, water, building projects, agriculture, medicine, education, technological development, and on and on. And we are to be creative rulers and implement managerial skills as we rule these things under God. Each of us plays a part, and we are to what? Labor at it six days of a seven-day week. Perpetually. So apply your mind and your body and strength to dominion. That's biblical. You don't need to look anywhere else. You cannot do it all by yourself. But neither should you wait for some perfect job to do. Okay? You're not promised a perfect job that just fits you to a T. You must just do. When I first came out of college, I waited for the right kind of job. I graduated with a major in education and history. I I felt 
that God would want me to do something I was tailored for, suited to be. Makes sense. So I put out some resumes and waited. And waited some more. I, I had a minuscule tutoring job like a few hours a week. And I think Tracy, maybe at that time, was working part-time at a nursing home in the activities department. We lived in Hartford. It was Tracy and, and I and Zachary at that time, and we were living in a low-income apartment, okay, subsidized by taxpayer money, eating macaroni and cheese. What was I waiting for? God had already spoken six days of labor. If you do not provide for your family, he also said, then you're worse than an infidel. What was I waiting for? There I was, pathetically mailing a few letters and waiting for something more. Something special for me. Because I suppose I determined I was special. Friends, God has spoken of many things we should just do. We don't need to wait for extra instruction. He's given us the orders. But too often, we come up with Complicating factors. It's just not that easy. Exceptions. Reasons to explain why we can't do things as God says. We're different. It's, it's like excuses for not obeying Him. We do it regularly. It's called sin. We do not keep the Sabbath by resting and meeting for worship in the Holy Assembly, as, in the, as Leviticus 23 3 says. Or we do not tame our tongues, as James 3 strongly teaches. We do not pray with regularity, as 1 Thessalonians 5.16 recommends. We do not sow and water in season. We do not keep our promises. We do not train up our children in the way that they should go. Which brings me back to that command I really want to discuss this morning. That command given in Genesis 1, verse 28. And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth, and subdue it. It's repeated to Noah, did you know? Following the flood. Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth. So at the beginning, from the very start, God mandated dominion, but... He also told us to fill the earth with his image bearers. Image bearers. Fill it with more of those like him. It's still a command, isn't it? Yes, it's still a command. I say then, 
If it's in the Bible, if it's still the command, what possible reasons might there be to refuse this command? Why would any of us wait to obey? Tell me, what complications, what extraordinary circumstances can you provide that will make God stop and say, oh, okay, this is what God's going to say to you, to your reply. Oh, okay then. I had not thought of that reason. That's good. You make a good point. You don't need to obey me then. You just do your thing and I'll have others produce children for me. I can tell you one reason to not obey the command. If you're not married, then God does not want you to be fruitful and multiply yet. Sexual intimacy is reserved for the marriage bed. Period. And perhaps singleness is your gift. Great. His purpose for you is very special. And to not produce your own offspring is a matter of fact. But singleness is by scriptural definition. And there are a select few honored to be in such a position. Most get married, or should. To the married, the command has not changed. Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. No plan is better. God has handed out no special exemptions which say, "Mm, wait, you're not required. Um, hmm, You aren't either. If he doesn't want you to have children, he will see to that. So be careful. Brazen thoughts are unhealthy in this manner. Imagine the family of Noah exiting the ark. Do you know what God said? Stick with this. There's some important parts here. And God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. The fear of you and the dread of you shall be upon every beast of the earth and upon every bird of the heavens, upon everything that creeps on the ground and all the fish of the sea. Into your hand they are delivered. Every moving thing that lives shall be food for you. And as I gave you the green plants, I give you everything. But you shall not eat flesh with its life, that is, its blood. And for your lifeblood, I will require a reckoning from every beast. I will require it, and from man. From his fellow man, I will require a reckoning for the life of man. Whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed. For God made man in his own image. And you, be fruitful and multiply. Increase greatly on the earth and multiply in it. Then God said to Noah and to his sons with him, Behold, 
I establish my covenant with you and your offspring after you, and with every living creature that is with you, the birds, the livestock, and every beast of the earth with you, as many as came out of the ark. It is for every beast of the earth. I establish my covenant with you, that never again shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of the flood, and never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. Sounds a lot like Genesis 1. God reannounces his desire for people to fill the earth. So the family comes out of the ark. Noah and his wife, his three sons, their wives. And Shem and his wife turn to the others, and Shem announces, Gloria, his wife, Gloria and I don't want to have kids right away. We want a little us time. Gloria wants to get out into the fresh air and garden, make some clothes, and explore her painting. And I need time to build a house. And I'm, I'm getting into taxidermy. You've seen the stuff I've made. You know, I've got talent. We're thinking that maybe seven to ten years we'd have one or two children then. That sounds ridiculous. We can't even fathom those words coming out of the mouth of Shem. Yet it's exactly how some couples view God's command today. Many couples do. It's hard not to start to think this way. For people today, having children is an option, not a command. Modern couples tell one another the important thing is that we're taking the time to do the things we want to do before we start a family. In our day... The sexual revolution has convinced men and women that children enslave them. Children get in the way. Feminism got stuck on the idea that women should be allowed to have all the pleasures of sex without being chained to a stove and a vacuum cleaner. Sex without children. This, they say, has finally liberated women to be all that they can be. Cast aside is the great glory of bearing, producing, and growing image bearers for God. Let somebody else do it. I have my life to live. That's not how you find self-fulfillment. You want to find your purpose as a husband and wife, then have children. This is life. It helps you become you. Shem, Shem might be a really good taxidermist, and Gloria, he married one of the Steinem sisters, She might become a wonderful painter whose work gets hung in museums, but if they refuse God, his children, then they have refused their clear purpose, clear purpose 
You see, Shem cannot be certain about taxidermy, can he? Is that the best use of his time? Is that his calling to be a taxidermist? Who knows? But Shem can be sure that child training is a requirement of God's. How do I know that? Because God tells him to do the one, but not necessarily the other. See Proverbs 22, 6, Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9. Painting and taxidermy? Maybe or maybe not. But a straightforward command from God? Definitely you should do that. I am certain because of the way a sermon like this, a text like this, steps on every toe, that some of you are coming up with yeah, but questions, maybe a little annoyed with me already. I just will continue. Married couples... This is the first priority. You've got to put effort into it. And you've got to get the kids right. Don't screw them up by your apathy toward them after you've had them. Moses told all Israel in Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 7, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. Young married couple, life, this life is not about your career, your aspirations, your idea of self-fulfillment. Rather, you are here for God's idea of what makes a man and a woman and a family and the human enterprise. The pursuit of your version of self-fulfillment beyond obedience to God's clear command is simply your own microcosmic tower of Babel. I did not think this way when I was first married. God had to do a little work. I wasn't sure if we should plan our parenthood or let God do it. We had Zach within 13 months of being married, but then we still wondered if we should stall things. Remember, this is the macaroni and cheese family. The guy who just sends in resumes and waits. My dad always called me lazy growing up. It really bothered me. I don't think I'm lazy anymore. Although, I have my moments.
We did the whole argument thing. You know, God gives us minds to plan, doesn't he? And there were dire times in history when ruthless governments killed little children. You certainly want to, don't want to bring little children into such circumstances. So should we use natural family planning? Is that okay, not sinful, etc.? All those questions were questions we were asking. After about a year or so, I don't remember now, we determined to let God decide how many children we would have, period. He opens and closes the womb, says the Bible. And he opened Tracy's womb seven times while three miscarried. That was God's maximum for us regarding childbirth. We've done nothing different. And I can live now. I can live, and I'm glad that decision was made. We're not all in the same place. I can live, though, without the struggles of guilt over my decision. To get in the way. Furthermore, each one of these image bearers have made us much more effective in the earth as GAPAs. Some segments of labor God has assigned to me and my wife are now shared and multiplied and truly transformed by my sons and daughters. It's incredible what God has done through them. We've been watching the TV series Yellowstone, okay? It's of uh, of a ranching family out in Montana with many, many acres of land bordering on an Indian reservation. Kevin Costner is the main patriarch, and he's become an excellent actor in his old age, as far as my opinion goes. Anyway, the characters and the plot are intriguing, a little smutty, okay, so you have to fast forward or something, that's fine. But I bring up the show only because of a comment made, because of a comment made by one of the, well, probably the main female character. Her name is Beth. And Beth had had an abortion and received a complete hysterectomy as a young girl who got pregnant. Now she cannot bear children. And her lifelong love interest, Rip, wants to marry her, but she's kept this a secret. I think it was actually his child, and he's unaware of it. And it's torn her up inside, that she always pulls herself away when they start to talk about marriage and and runs away. Because it... it, it, um, it's not something she wants to do to him. This is, this is where I'm coming from. The thing that Beth says to Rip really hit me as they're having one of their moments. She says, there's only so much that I can give you, Rip. I can't have children. You need to know that. Being with me is the end of you. Wow. His name, in other words, would not carry on in the earth. He would remain fruitless. No descendants. 
as I look back on my history with God and, and Tracy, I am very grateful we had children right away and that we did not ultimately buy into the idea either of limiting the size of our family. There were so many things I needed to learn that I would have missed without children. I don't know where I'd be. I wouldn't be here, probably. It certainly would have changed GAPA history and the Dominion avenues we've walked down. All four living children are collaborators in the family business. We get to worship with them. Wow, is that great. I'm not privy to what God has our other three children doing currently in his presence. Are they contributors by prayer? Do they even think of us gappas on earth? I cannot say I have many thoughts of them. We never interacted. And some might call me foolish for speaking this way. But I tell you, all children are a gift. Do you agree? Psalm 127, 3 through 5, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of, a, of the womb a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man, who's, who, blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. Yes, a heritage from the Lord, a reward. I'm not going to argue with that. Who would argue with that? I am grateful God opened my wife's womb in our youth. It has made me what I am today. He has matured and seasoned me at least a lot more than where I was. And Tracy, too. And we've grown through family enterprise. And now Atticus and Ezra, they take up places in the household about which Proverbs, those are my grandkids, about which Proverbs 17.6 says, Grandchildren are the crown of the aged, and the glory of children is their father's. How lovely it is to have a, another level of image bearers. May, may God be glorified in them. Although, those two whippersnappers, the crown of the aged is pretty heavy at times, right? Heavy is the head who wears the crown. Look. Christian couples need to be about fruitfulness. You've been told, have children. Train them up to love God. This is, this is a primary way for you to become all he wants you to become. You become whole in the process of leading a family. Life, listen, life comes in stages. Decade stages. At the start, it's about family. Do not worry about you and your extra specialness. Just obey God. 
Now, please hear this. Some couples never have children of their own, okay? They try with all their prayers and all their might. It's heartbreaking for sure. And we can understand the anguish felt by many biblical women who pleaded with God for even one child, Hannah, weeping in the temple courts, and she's given Samuel. For this boy I prayed, she said, and the Lord has given me my petition which I asked of him. 1 Samuel one twenty seven. Elizabeth, in her old age, having her womb opened to house John the Baptist. The angel told Mary, Elizabeth, your relative, is six months pregnant with a son in her old age. People said she couldn't have a child, but nothing is impossible for God. Luke 1, 36 and 37. Our father Abraham's wife, Sarah, in her very old age, was given a son named Isaac. God said to Abraham, as for your wife, as for Sarah, your wife, you shall not call her name Sarah, but you shall call her Sarai, but you shall call her name, her, her, sorry, but, but Sarah shall be her name. I will bless her, and moreover, I will give you a son by her. I will bless her, and she will become nations. Kings of peoples shall come from her. Then Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said to himself, Shall a child be born to a man who is a hundred years old? Shall Sarah, who is ninety years old, bear a child? And Abraham said to God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before you. God said, No, but Sarah, your wife, shall bear you a son, and you shall call his name Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his offspring after him. As for Ishmael, I have heard you. Behold, I have blessed him and will make him fruitful and multiply him greatly. He shall father 12 princes and I will make him into a great nation. But I will establish my covenant with Isaac, whom Sarah shall bear to you at this time next year. God opens and closes the womb. He is the author of life. Psalm 139.13, For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Genesis 20.17, Then Abraham prayed to God, and God healed Abimelech. Huh? Abimelech? And also healed his wife and female slaves so that they bore children. For the Lord had closed all the wombs of the house of Abimelech because of Sarah, Abraham's wife. Genesis 29, 31. When the Lord saw that Leah was hated, he opened her womb. But Rachel was barren. And Leah conceived and bore a son, and she called his name Reuben. For she said, because the Lord has looked upon my affliction, for now my husband will love me. Hosea 9.11 Ephraim's glory shall fly away like a bird. No birth, no pregnancy, no conception. Even if they bring up children, I will bereave them till none is left. Woe to them when I depart from them. God is the giver of life. We must not think, listen, we can't think that we decide these things all by ourselves. To think that you can control conception is a miscalculation. 
such presumption may cost you. It must be true. God has other plans for those who cannot bear children. And God commends, I'll tell you, every man or woman who possesses a special heart when that heart yearns to love and nurture image bearers, yet they're not permitted to do so with their own, God commends that heart. These childless people are necessary. They make all families whole by their commitment to love. They are also specially able to fill in some of the missing and broken portions of relationships. They can be like glue designed to hold the church and human family together if they give themselves to the work. The childless are key to kingdom enterprise. Furthermore, some wives can suffer health complications. And that woman's life should be a vital concern to her husband when it comes to questions of pregnancy. I don't have the answers for that. I don't think there are easy answers for that. It can make, some, make for some very difficult and painful decisions. But guess what? Pain is not all that bad. Pain is actually good. I just challenge you to become a couple who want to be fruitful for God. Back to the Yellowstone episode, okay? Beth says that line, okay? Rip, I can't have children, you need to know that. Being with me is the end of you. As you're watching, your heart becomes warm as Rip tells her, you're all I need. Good writing. Good writing. Now, is there ever a point where the earth is filled? Twofold. Can we make too many children? What about overpopulation? That was a huge crisis pushed on society when I was a kid. The world had too many people. And pollution and starvation was becoming the result. We, we need to limit family sizes. We need birth control sent out to those third world countries where they're making all kinds of careless decisions. Now, some make a very valid point that the Western world, with its love of contraception and birth control, suffers from a demographic winter. There are not enough people. Yet the war cry, the war cry against filling the earth is still incessant. And I sure hope the godly can detect in it the voice of a diabolical devil, for no one hates God's image more than Satan. And he is such a convincing liar and accuser and expert murderer. The extreme environmentalist is the latest town crier of doom due to overpopulation. Oh, here he goes into environmentalism. No. Just listen. 
They leave their little mark in headlines and op-ed pieces. This one from 2017, New York Times. Science proves kids are bad for the earth. Morality suggests we stop having them. I say, morality? Yeah, right. Guardian article in the same year suggested, we want to save the planet, have fewer children. I say, wait a minute. Whose planet is this? And can God really mess up opening too many wombs? In 2021, New York Times writer asked the question, to breed or not to breed? And then echoing these environmental sentiments, pop star Miley Cyrus is quite candid. She said, until I feel like my kid would live on earth, would live on an earth with fish in the water, I'm not bringing in another person to deal with that. Miley's just a pop star, granted. Why not give us someone with reasonable advice for family planning? If only someone regal would chime in, I say, you must mean God. No, they offer us Prince Harry. Prince Harry said that he would have only two kids, two maximum, exclamation point. I say, he's just a pop star too. Of course, there are many normal people Christians, even, who think that having a dozen children is irresponsible. I don't agree. I call it obedient. Now, can you say you've been obedient if you just had one child and then, and then you prevent anymore? That's doubtful. Again, I, I leave room for health of the mother concerns but ultimately, I think we should pursue children like we pursue evangelism. If God keeps bringing in the sheaves, then, then who are you to say, okay, that's enough? Make no mistake. You can be irresponsible with your children, and that is sin. You can disobey God by how you mistreat or mistrain them. You have to love them and do right by them. It is worth most of your time in your young married life. But that's another issue, isn't it? We all have problems obeying God on different fronts. Just don't take credit as if you're obeying God by having children, which you are, but then disobey him by ruining those children. That is a that is a travesty. But look, human history has long chosen community leaders and church elders based upon how they dealt with their children. Also, a family's future productivity in the earth depends on getting kids right. Children are the family's greatest wealth. Almost done. Ultimately, young husbands and wives, you must drill down on the idea that this life is not about what you want or how you wish it to play out. It's not about being the best you. You don't even know what you are yet. 
There is much in life that you cannot know about yourself with any certainty. Your best skills, core competencies, historical opportunities, God's providence. You know how most people, they don't even do the things they went to college for. This is how... Much we don't know. Your friends change. Your body changes. Hopefully you become smarter and more godly. None of these particulars should ever be used to displace those straightforward biblical commands. Because frankly, you have not even learned what God intends for you beyond the building of a family for him. I implore you, don't decide for yourself. We're going to wait on having children Wait for what? It's a clear command of God. Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth. Wait for what? What could possibly be evil about it? What could possibly be wrong about it? Start now. How is it that anyone thinks it's a sin for a man and his wife to have children? God has not rolled out a rug for you and me to walk on, and then he has the intention of pulling it out when we take our first step. No. Consider these parting verses. Psalm 128, 1 through 4. Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways. You shall eat the fruit of the labor of your hands. You shall be blessed, and it shall be well with you. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house. Your children will be like olive shoots around your table. Behold, thus shall the man be blessed who fears the Lord. Psalm 112, 1 and 2. Praise the Lord. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who greatly delights in his commandments. His offspring will be mighty in the land. The generation of the upright will be blessed. We took the approach that a quiverful sounds like a good handful. That vines around a table sounds like a lot. Not just one or two. Also, we figured the most fruitful of couples probably not have more than a dozen. So, get at it. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that this uh, message, that your word more than anything and the multiple texts that I shared would penetrate us, that we'd have to deal reasonably with you on, on this subject in particular. In a world that is so focused on barrenness and death, Lord, as a way of self-fulfillment, we pray that the church would rise up and be taught to embrace children and family. To your honor, in Jesus' name.